Well, hey there. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, the show that's all about real talk, real business, and real growth. I'm your host, Renee Dallow, multi-passionate entrepreneur, business and life coach, keynote speaker, and wedding planner. In this show, we dive headfirst into the conversations that matter most, from personal development to relationships, career success to wellness, and everything in between. This is a safe space to explore your messy middle and come out on the other side with a little more wisdom and hopefully a few more laughs. Every episode will bring you experts and thought leaders sharing their insights, experiences, and life lessons, empowering you to take that next step toward being your favorite version of yourself. Are you ready for it? Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow. Today's episode is all about the hyper-personalized wedding, trends and opportunities for planners with my special guest, Stephen Greitzer from Provenance. Stephen Greitzer is the founder and CEO of Provenance. After officiating weddings for years and feeling frustrated and shocked by the lack of resources for couples and their first-time officiants, he founded Provenance in 2021 to modernize wedding ceremony design. Today, Tens of thousands of wedding planners, couples, officiants, and guests use Provenance's suite of tools to craft meaningful and personalized ceremony scripts, vows, and toasts for modern-day weddings. Stephen is from Los Angeles and has over a decade of experience as an investor and entrepreneur in the technology sector. I am very excited because I am teaching a brand new class called Provenance Pros and Prosperity, Elevate Your Planning Business Masterclass. That new, brand new class is going to be on Tuesday, February 20th at 9 a.m. Pacific. Friends, I am in love with Provenance, and I am going to walk you through not only how to use it with your clients, but how to sell it to your clients, how to use it to sell your services, your expertise, and to basically up-level the entire experience for your clients, and also make a little passive income on the side. I am laying it out for you from A to Z. All you need to do to register for this free class is go to reneedallow.com forward slash pros, P-R-O-S-E. That's reneedallow.com forward slash P-R-O-S-E. Also, link in bio. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host, Renee Dallow. This week, I am joined by the lovely and fabulous Stephen Greitzer from Providence. Stephen, how are you? I'm doing great, Renee. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so psyched you're here. We have a lot to talk about. Um, But first, I'm going to ask you the question I ask everyone. How's the weather where you are? I'm in Los Angeles right now. We're talking in mid-February. Now, we had a bad storm earlier last week. We did. But it is 70 degrees, sunny and beautiful right now. And yet, I'm still wearing a turtleneck. Because <laughs> I'm, wear- I'm wearing a sweater because it's not 80 yeah. degrees. And people the like, LA people are insane. We're insane. I wore this turtleneck on like a Insta Live a couple of weeks ago. And Leah Weinberg, my best friend who lives in New York, texted me immediately. I was like, is it freezing near you? And I was like, no, why? And she's like, I've never seen you in a turtleneck. And I was like, it's fashion. I don't know. We it. buy these things for when we visit New York and then we kind of have to wear them in the winter. It's winter themed, I guess. Exactly. I just, one of my core values of life is to be like a cozy bear. Like I just want to be cozy all the time. So if it's like, if there's like a turtleneck that's like cozy, I'm like, I'm going to wear it just because it's cozy. Not that it's temperature appropriate. I think that's entirely fair. 
Well, as two Los Angelinos, at least currently, let's talk about what, let's talk about the reason you're here. We're talking about hyper-personalized wedding ceremonies today, or just weddings in general. First of all, like, tell me about your own wedding. <laughs> Was your wedding hyper-personalized? I'm not yet married. So I, <laughs> I do have, I do have a really serious girlfriend who's in another room. So I don't want to give her too many ideas just yet. Um, but you know, my team, you know, we are all wedding people at our own vantage point. I have on my team, um, people who have years of planning weddings as wedding planners. I have people on my team who have been officiants for years and years. Yeah. My head of business development is getting married in April. And nice. so we kind of have all approached it from our own vantage point ourselves. So yeah. Uh, yeah. My own wedding has yet to happen, but there'll be a lot of bets from the audience on how long the ceremony will be, because I'm sure yeah. I'll have 40 speeches included within. <laughs> I mean, probably. I mean, I'll say, listen, I've been married for over a decade, and my, our wedding was hyper, per, I mean, hyper personalized to the point where I think people were like, is she, has she lost her marbles? Because ev everything, everything was personalized because I was just in my element. I wanted to make it ours as much as I could. And I think even though that was 11 years ago, you know, I think, I don't know if it started then, but I know with my couples, that's pretty much their top value. When I say like, okay, yeah. why are we having this wedding? Like, what are you, what are we hoping to express with this wedding? Which I think sometimes they're thrown off by that question entirely. They're like, what do you mean? It's a, I'm like, yeah, but what, why, why not just elope? Why are we having a wedding? Almost always they say, because we want it to feel like us. Exactly. I'd say that from at least what we've seen from our clients, um, from our friends, I'm very much at the age right now where I'm going to all my friends' weddings. I had a wedding last yeah. weekend, a bachelor party next weekend, so we're just hopping at all these weddings right now. <laughs> and it really has become the norm. Yeah. You know, perhaps there's a time when you would, some people, a subset of the wedding market would try to just shock and awe in terms of wedding spend. And yeah. that may still be the case to some extent, but I'd yeah. say more and more and more, it seems the norm that you want it to be an authentic representation of each individual as a partnership as a whole, as their cultures and backgrounds and families they represent, and the community they're trying to build as a consequence of this marriage. And they're making choices across everything from the food selection to the flowers to the speeches, everything in between. Yeah. I see it all the time. And in fact, I was thinking in preparation for our talk, for our talk today, like how many of my clients have not written their own vows? Now I've been in business for 12 years. I'm, I like was going through all my old like client files. I think and this is probably going to sound bananas, but I think out of in 12 years, I've only had two couples do the standard vows, no, no personal vows. And one of them was because it was a Greek Orthodox ceremony in the Greek Orthodox church, they don't let you play around at all. And the other was a couple that was, they were both deeply introverted and actually didn't want anyone looking at them the whole day at all. <laughs> like I'm surprised they even had a wedding. But if you think about it, we've done over 200 weddings, two of them have done standard vows. It, it makes sense because the yeah. wedding itself has changed tremendously and yeah. in very short order too. In 2009, so just 15 years ago, for about 60% of weddings were held in churches and synagogues and mosques and some sort of religious venue. Today, that's only 22%. Today, 60% of couples write and read their own vows as opposed to reading traditional vows that come from some sort of religious text. The right. way in which we perform weddings have changed dramatically. There's a lot of reasons behind that. Today, 60% of Americans are no longer members or organized religion. 
even though their parents, grandparents very well may have been. And today, 50% of couples have interfaith marriages, interfaith weddings as a consequence. So all these shifting dynamics in American culture that we're all feeling outside the wedding industry very much are having an effect on the way in which we develop and perform weddings as well. Yeah. I didn't think about that. You know, that like our generation, well, my generation, I think I'm probably, I'm a different generation than you, but I didn't, I grew up in, in the Catholic, Roman Catholic church, but I don't, I'm not that now. And I haven't been in a really long time, my whole entire adulthood, basically. So 20, you know, I'm 40, I'm 47. So at least 20 years plus I have not been regularly going to any sort of church. And when Joe and I got engaged, it wasn't even a question. It wasn't a question. It wasn't like, oh, should we have a church wedding? I'm laughing. I'm laughing because it would have been ridiculous. It would have been the least authentic thing for the two of us to come walking in a church like we're back. (laughs) And if that is authentic to you, to your couples, that they want to have that sort of religious inclusion, then fantastic, more power to them. But more and more, by and large, couples are looking for other ways in which to express themselves and their cultural background and heritage or not include that entirely. And yeah. there's a lot of other facets of this. So as much as we're seeing these trends right now become the majority, Gen Z is accelerating that even further. By the time Gen Z comes along, it's going to be even more weighted in this direction. Oh, yeah. I mean, and also Gen Z, in a sort of refreshing way, like doesn't give a shit about your traditions or about what you want or about your cultural norms. They just don't care. Like, And I find it so uh, amazing. And also, like, the kids are going to be fine. That's how I feel. Like I'm on TikTok constantly and I'm like, look at these kids. They're going to be great. My 12 year old niece, she is going to own the whole world. Like they are just so chill about most things. But on the other hand, they really want things that rep- that feel like themselves, that represent themselves, even if the who they are today is shifting day by day, you know, especially the younger ones. But um, exactly, I've seen it too with my clients too. Like they pick what feels personal to them over some sense of, tradition that has nothing to do with them. Right. Especially in ceremony wording. I've so, I mean, I, I identify as a feminist for sure. And I know many, many, almost, I would gather all of my clients do as well. So much of the ceremony wording is so patriarchal old school that they won't have it at all. They can't bear it. Totally. Now I've seen couples, frankly, there are a lot of facets of the wedding itself that come from these very patriarchal roots. Yeah, And there's some facets of that that many even modern feminist couples still do like. I mean, there's something beautiful about the father or whichever parent you want to walk the bride down the aisle. Like That's a tradition yeah. that I think does transcend some of those um, gender dynamics in some respects. Um, and again, more power to whomever wants to choose whichever facet of this they do keep. But I do still see very often and more often than not today, rather than saying you may now kiss the bride – as some sort of successful transaction within a wedding ceremony, I'm yes. seeing more and more often, I now pronounce you partners in life, you may kiss, yes. and other mm-hmm. ways to balance out the language a little bit. Oh, for sure. I also haven't had a wedding say who gives this bride in probably nine years, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's good reason why some of those traditions are starting to wane. I mean, a lot yeah. of those things come from a time when there was a dowry involved and this was much more so a transaction between families. And yes. it makes sense now that the language is starting to balance out to two partners coming in at equal footing. Yeah. I love that. What do you make of the, the, I mean, I don't even want to call it a trend, but the movement toward 
friends as officiants versus clergy or professional officiants. Like that's been going on my entire career. So it's, it's another fascinating one. And it's very much rooted in everything that we've been discussing so far in terms of this secularization of modern America. Yeah. Let's say again, like we believe in the authenticity of whatever reflects you. So there's some couples that choose to have a childhood priest there's, um, that they've known since they were kids. There's some couples who choose to have both an imam and a, a, a rabbi in order to represent yeah. both backgrounds. There's some couples who want someone who is a great tried and true performer and they find it professional. But you're certainly right. More and more, and by and large, we're seeing a trend toward requesting a friend and family member to officiate. In fact, in 2009, again, just 15 years ago, less than 30% of officiants were friends and family. And today it is a majority. Nearly 60% of officiants are friends and family. And frankly, that's how I got into this space. Um, Years ago, I was honored by some of my best friends to officiate their wedding. Uh, one of the greatest honors of my life, but also one of the greatest challenges as I had to figure out how to devise from scratch a wedding ceremony that felt traditionally legitimate, spiritually mm-hmm. resonant, was maybe secular, but it doesn't offend grandma, it is legally compliant, and it's personalized good and of high quality, doesn't ruin the most important moment of the couple's life in front of 200 people. Um, very nerve wracking, very stressful. Wow. I luckily did a good enough job that I was asked to do it again and again and again for other friends nice. and family. Um, Huge honor each time, but there was really nothing to guide the, the structure and approach. Hence why we ultimately developed Providence to help other friends and family deliver that high caliber um, in these moments of truth. But it's definitely um, a trend that I think will only continue now that's easier than ever for anybody to get ordained as an officiant. Yeah, I've, yes. And that's actually one of the questions I ask in my consults. I say, who's marrying you? You know, do you know? And almost always it's, oh, I'm going to ask a friend or we don't know yet, but we want it to be a friend. And then they'll ask me like, how, when, when have you seen that work really well? And I always say, make sure it's someone who feels comfortable, obviously speaking in front of a crowd, but make sure it's someone who understands that it is a bit of work, that they're not just going to show up and wing it. Like we cannot wing this. I would almost, you know, go on the other side to say like, it's actually a tremendous amount of work if you're not a professional officiant, because like you said, you're trying, you are trying to figure out all these different facets. And then also there's the performance on top of it, which can't be too performancey because you can't steal focus. And it's a lot of complexity in there. And I, and I, I'm grateful that, that you know, you and your team developed provenance because I think this is the future of of how people are going to be able to be more mindful about it and make good choices because they aren't so worried about the framework and the container of it all, you know? Absolutely. You know, I think there's really three components that go into that preparation. I think you spoke to it very well. There is the complexity and the know-how. There's the thoughtful, effortful preparation. Yeah. Then there's the actual performance. Now, the complexity and know-how, we're able to now gift that to tens of thousands of officiants who are doing this for the first time in a way that I just didn't have that benefit when I was my first time officiating, knowing to get out of the way during the kiss so you don't ruin all the photos. It's my biggest Knowing when to ask the audience to rise and to sit down, knowing what goes into the officiant remarks and the language for the the declaration of intent and the pronouncement Uh and all those components we're able to make that immediately accessible for anybody. In terms of the thoughtful preparation, I think it still requires that emotional labor, but we can make it a bit less stressful by providing that guidance. And then for the delivery, I'm not standing up there in your stead. That, that has to be deficient and gets up there and does it. But hopefully we've made this 
far less intimidating and can help them really knock it out of the park. Yeah. One of the things I love in your software is the questions that the officiant can send to the client that um, that they can't see the the couple can't see the answers of because I remember when so Joe and I had a friend officiate his best friend Matt and and Matt sort of tried to do that but then I, but like it was all like done on one quick call with us and I like the idea of writing it down because it, you're allowed then you as the couple can be a little bit more thoughtful with what you're saying and it's not so I don't know casual it feels more like okay these are words that might come back to me let me really focus on what I want to say. Totally. And what I also love about it is it really roots the wedding ceremony in the couple's own words about each other. So 100%. this is not a groomsman speech. This is not a best man speech. This is not a maid of honor speech. This is a wedding ceremony and it should be theirs. So even if I've known the couple for years and years, and even if I have plenty of stories and thoughts about their attributes, it shouldn't just be rooted in my own vantage point and opinion. It should be rooted in their own articulation of their love and their story. So by involving the couple and making it a collaborative experience, uh, which our ceremony builder really does allow, uh, it really makes sure that it's worded in their own verbiage, their own words. Yeah, I love that. And I also love that I love as the planner when I'm watching the ceremony happen, I love those moments when the officiant manages to sort of surprise the couple by getting it so right. Right. When they have that look of recognition on their face, like, oh, right. This is, you know, oh, this because. I'll say this, Stephen, and, and I've been a wedding planner, like I said, a long time. I sort of pride myself because I'm also a public speaker on like, you know, I spend a little time with the officiant. I talk to the people who are giving toasts. I kind of stick my nose in there a little bit and try to give them a little guidance. But there's only so much I can do because I'm also in charge of 20 vendors, the load in, the loadout, you know, all the things. I love the software because as the wedding planner, I can snoop a bit. But I think that so many beginner wedding planners, they think the ceremony isn't their problem or isn't their wheelhouse. And that's where I think we're missing as the industry. We're missing a, a place of service, more service, better service, just better and being more tuned into your couple. Do you know what I mean? I, I totally know what you mean. And it's funny. Uh, this is usually something that the wedding planner traditionally, you're right, has not touched, but it's also been a big source of outstanding risk. The wedding planner has worked for months to de-risk every facet of the wedding to make sure that everything goes off flawlessly with the only facet of the wedding that they typically do not touch were either the weather, because we're not gods that can control the weather. Oh. You can make contingency plans, but nonetheless, we can't control it. Yeah. And that any time that somebody approaches a microphone throughout that weekend, yeah. the amount of times that we have all seen groomsman number three go off the cuff and make the bride cry and ruin the whole weekend or father the bride speak for 17 minutes while the entrees are going cold in the back or the efficient had no idea what to do during the ceremony and the ceremony goes way over time and messes up the cocktail hour this is a chance to really rein in some control and just some management some like light observance and air traffic control to make sure that this fast of the wedding weekend which is such a memorable facet of it which are where a lot of the stories will come out of the weekend, go off without a hitch, just like everything else. So yeah. uh, we really developed this alongside wedding, wedding planners to make sure that it's all for wedding planners and wedding planners can see how long each speech is, make sure that groom number three does not include that joke about the groom in college, make sure mm -hmm. that the speeches are all within their time constraints and also print extra copies in case the bride forgot her vows when walking down the aisle. You got that and can save the day. I mean, every 
wedding, I walk around with everyone's toast in my in my binder just in case because I'm like, I've had people say like, oh yeah, I printed it out, and then it blows down the beach. And we watch it blow away and I'm like, well, you're going to wing it now. You're going to ruin my whole life. And that's what will happen if there's no backup, right? They'll just, they'll kind of just wing it. And listen, I've seen it all. I have seen some of the best toasts. I have seen some of the worst. I have seen references to ex-girlfriends, references to body parts that nobody wants to hear about. Bad jokes, bad singing, inside jokes, uh, you know, wink, wink references to that time in Cancun, like, no, 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 no. And I've also, as the planner, had some toast come across my desk that didn't have a beginning, didn't have an end. We're just kind of like a series of like, I love you, man, over and over. It's it's amazing how laissez-faire some people are when preparing for these speeches, but it's also, to their credit, 75% of Americans are more afraid of public speaking than they are of death which is a crazy stat from the National Mental Health Institute. It's amazing. Um, and I get it. Like, I think we all get butterflies and nerves when we're going up to speak. And some people react that way by just procrastinating and not preparing at all and waiting to the last yep. minute. Um, some people get overly nervous and spend way too much time stressing out about this. Um, but we could all use a little help. This is such a, a moment of such magnitude that we'll remember that's filmed that the couple's grandpa- grandkids will one day watch. So True. to really put in some thought to prepare and frankly, to use a tool like ours to help you make sure it's a A plus caliber out of the park home run, mm-hmm. uh, why not invest a little extra time and a little extra help to make sure that it goes off without a hitch? Listen, I agree. And I will say, because we're both in LA, the only uh, the only time I've ever had a father of the bride or father of the groom speech go over and I wasn't going to cut it off was when he was a multiple Emmy Award, Tony Award winning actor. <laughs> And like, I'm not going to be that girl who like plays him off. And also it was delightful, but that was one wedding out of 200. What are we up to? 237 now. Like even people who are like, I'm a great public speaker. I'm like, okay, you're still, you'll still only get five minutes. though, <laughs> unless you're totally this one, fair. this one father. <laughs> it, I think that's totally fair. Um, and yes, I've been to, I've been to a few Hollywood weddings too. Where it's like, okay, that guy's a <laughs> Oscar winning writer. We'll let him go. We'll let him go. <laughs> But for the most part, I'd say that many of these speeches, many speeches that I've given as well, are better when they're shorter, more concise and succinct. And frankly, speech writing is an art and a science. And not all of us are equally well prepared for that. You're being asked to speak not because you're a esteemed orator. You're being asked to speak because you are that best friend from high school or that cousin. And to get a little extra help, listen, if, if our tradition was to do a dance or to sing a song instead of uh, giving a speech, we sure as hell would all be investing in coaches and some extra practice, right? 100%. Um, The other thing I want to ask you about is vows. So the vows are, like we talked about, vows are so important. They're becoming more personal. I don't even want to admit to you when I wrote my own vows. I will not tell you because it's funny, but your, your software also helps with vows. Yes? Absolutely. Yeah. I... I was, okay, I'll just tell you. Because it was 20, it was a whole different world. It was 2012. As you can imagine, I was a very involved bride with my own wedding. And I had a wedding. We were getting married in Philadelphia and we live in LA. My husband's from Philly. I'm from New York. So it just made sense. And we spent like weeks up into the wedding, like packing things, shipping things, packing things, shipping things. You know, I was like in a, was in a heightened state. I'm just going to say. By the time we get to Philadelphia, we got into Philly on like Monday or Tuesday and our wedding was Saturday. I procrastinated so much about writing these vows. 
that by the time Tuesday came and I still hadn't written them, I then became like even more sort of freaked out about writing them because the, then like the onus of it was even, it was like, it was worse that I hadn't even tried. Right. Meanwhile, my husband was walking around like rehearsing. I could feel him. He was like muttering under his breath. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, nothing. I'm like, what are you, what are you saying? He's like, nothing. And I'm like, Oh, cause we both came from act. We, we met when we were actors. And I was like, you're rehearsing your vows. Aren't you? You're going to go off book. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm going to use the little book. So he had this like faux bachelor party on Thursday night in Philly with like his brother and some friends. And so I was left alone in our beautiful suite. And so I was like, I'm going to write them now. Yeah. Me writing them was me Googling vows and going like, <laughs> that is a nice line. And I like that line. That feels like something I'd say. It was a Frankenstein, like amalgamation of other people's words sure. that I took most definitely from a blog post that was on a practical wedding. And then I like rewrote it to kind of sound like me and I rehearsed it like twice. And then I never, I didn't look at it until the wedding. He pulls up to this ceremony with poetry, quoting an aria, calling me a freaking princess. People are, people are weeping. They're crying. My mother cried. I was like, I love you. You're my favorite. (laughs) I am so outranked in these, to this day, I'm annoyed about it, but it's my own fault because I didn't make any time for it. And I certainly didn't have a, you know, a software like you guys have put together that could have helped me on my own. You know, I just felt like there was nothing available that said like, here's how you profess your love to your person in front of, we had 200 guests. Like no one was preparing me for that. And I definitely, to this day, those vows, man, Ugh. I, 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 I feel like, that. I love you. I'll love you even on the days I don't like you, which is valid, but I shouldn't have said it. I don't know. There's something that's nice about it. It's a little poetic in that. But um, <laughs> you're, you're not alone. You're not alone. Frankly, many people approach it this way. This yeah. is one of the most important speeches you'll ever deliver in your life. And there's nothing that's more intimidating than that blinking pers- cursor on the blank page. Yeah. So more often than not, we procrastinate till last minute and wish we had more time. What our tool does is ensure that you can deliver your authentic truth in this moment. We ask you a series of questions about your love for this other person, the attributes, the stories, the memories, all those thoughts you've had swirling in your head for years and years and years. Help put that, pull that out of you. Ask about your promises you want to make and you know anything else you would like to say. And we coalesce that together into a high quality, high caliber first draft that's structured and formatted the way that vows typically should be. But yeah. the biggest thing that our vow builder does, the secret sauce I love so much about it, is it solves for that grander challenge that you were just talking about. Yes. I love the tradition that we write our vows separately and reveal it to the partner on that day. But at the same time, that means that you have no idea what that other person has written, how long it is, what the tone is, et cetera. Yeah. And what the audience really wants to feel and what you want to feel is that those vows are balanced and they generally mirror each other. That it feels like, okay, those two people probably should get married. That they at least feel like they are of relatively similar magnitude and tone. So what we do is that while each person is writing them separately, we can give you a hint of, hey, his are 300 words longer than yours and he's going for this tone in case you want to judge it a little bit. You can still keep it your authentic truth, but at least make sure that they're matching. And too often we've seen that 
one party has long sentimental vows, the other partner is phoning it in and feels awkward in that moment, and we're really solving that problem and trying to stamp it out. Yeah. We we could have used it. To my credit, he is a stand-up comic, and I thought he'd go funny, and he didn't. He went <laughs> so sincere and so... Oh, I was like, I was almost mad. I was like, oh, what is this? You're supposed to be the funny. You're the funny one. I was trying to be funny and it didn't. Oh. Yeah. Bless. We, we, um, we, could have, we could have saved you had we been alive uh, at that time. Could we, if we could only go back 11 years and just redo yeah. the whole thing. Or well, 12 you, choose to re, you choose to renew your vows one day. We'll be here for you as well. You know what? We have made, we decided when, when we got married that every five years we would do something. So on our fifth year, we went to the we're office fans so we did like a little with my dad and my stepmom like a little vow renewal on the maid of the mist you do you know yeah, yeah absolutely he cut his tie, yeah. He cut his tie. and then um 10 years was just last year and we did it uh we were supposed to be in italy that didn't work out thank you writer strike and um <laughs> we'd end up renewing our vows in our friend's living room but it was a surprise and i didn't know it was happening but 15 years i'm going to use providence and rewrite those vows and get redemption for my funny vows Love make it. We'll be here for you. <laughs> we'll even give you some hints so you can make sure that you completely upstage him so he has to redeem himself at the 30th he'll anniversary. Probably he'll probably pull out his old vows quoting fucking operas. And all. <laughs> like, really? Um... <laughs> <laughs> now that Providence has been around for a little bit, is there anything that you're seeing just in how people are using um, the app that surprises you? I mean, certainly. It's been amazing to learn about how, um, you know, we had all these expectations when we first started developing it, but we have a very user-centered design process. So we're constantly speaking with our couples, we're constantly speaking with wedding planners, and we're constantly evolving it to improve it based on how people actually want to use it beyond yeah. our own expectations. I'd say one thing that I didn't really anticipate, or perhaps I should have, is that we find that brides tend to be the power users. Okay. Um, where I had, I, had, I think I, maybe because I'm a long time efficient myself, I've long expected efficient to drive more of the experience, but no, we, by and large, we'll have brides come in and do the entire process, rope in her partner and rope in the officiants and hand on their sections. But that's one thing I didn't expect. I'd say the, we had this readings and rituals library with a thousand somewhat entries re reflecting all cultural backgrounds, ethnicities, faiths, as well as a breadth of secular movie quotes, song lyrics, poems, etc. And I expected to see some sort of trends showing reflecting the you know general breadth of America. And it's just amazing the diversity by which people go through this um, product and really choose anything, everything that might reflect themselves. Yeah. It really does show how how unique each wedding ceremony really is as developed with our platform, yeah. uh, which is something that I don't think I really expected from Onset. Yeah, I, yeah, I would imagine that if I were in your shoes, I'd, I'd be waiting to see like what's the new Corinthians of you know, and there is none probably. Totally. Yeah, you know, Corinthians certainly gets plenty of hits. We have certain other poems that do too, but if I were to show you the pie chart of the selections across our library, it is absurd the magnitude of diversity. It is just incredibly varied, which I think really does reflect the fact that um, we're enabling that personalization. That personalization is what indeed people want. Yeah. I mean, personalization is the name of the game. And I think Providence is only going to take it that much further to the next level because it's it's personalization, but it's very accessible, right? It's not it's not gatekept at all. It's like, here, come here, use our tools, you know? So I guess we should talk about the masterclass that I'm doing. Please, Absolutely.
So next week, so you guys are hearing this on Thursday, next week on Tuesday, uh, I am teaching a masterclass based on Providence's tools and how specifically wedding planners can use them for a variety of things. And one of the things I know, Stephen, I, I said to talk to you and Josh about is sometimes, you know, when there's a new tech, uh, anything for the wedding industry, it's met with a bit of like, well, I don't think I need that. Well, uh, I don't want to learn something else. I don't want to. Mm. So the masterclass is really going to really going to dive into how we use this to not only help our clients, but also help 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 ourselves, right? As we talked about, like help ourselves, help with a ceremony that we know is going to end on time with an officiant that we know isn't going to try to wing it or go off bullet points. My God, I had someone do that once. You know what happened? He skipped the actual marrying them part. <laughs> I, had, I had to marry them in the dressing room afterwards because I'm ordained as a safety, you know, because uncle lost his mind. Well, bless, he was so nervous, right? He just skipped it. And no one had the heart to tell him, hey, you skipped it. You have to do it. They were like, you just do it real quick. And I was like, what is happening? Let's not have that happen. And also like how to help elevate the experience for your clients so that we're not just so focused on decor and entertainment and food. And listen, we have to be focused on that. But if you're the only planner in your market talking about the ceremony to them in the consult and telling them, I have a tool for you to use that I love you're going to be differentiated in their minds right off the bat. So it's also a sales tool. So we're going to talk about like literally exactly how to do it, what to say, when to say it, what to send. Like it's going to be, I'm, I did it for you, wedding planners. Come learn about it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. I love new things. And, and we're so grateful to you for sharing how, how this works. So you're right. I think that new tool, especially when you have your, typical way about going about doing things can be a little intimidating at first, but this is, as we mentioned before, a way to de-risk a whole fast of the wedding weekend that otherwise being left up to chance and as well as to expand the services that wedding planners are pitching their clients uh, with a high tech offering that is a lot less intimidating than it might seem. Yeah. Clients are looking to us for guidance, right? And there's only so much we can do. And I'll tell you, like I, for years now, have been selling in my consults that I'm a professional public speaker. I'll work with your officiant. I'll help you write your speeches. I don't do vows, but now I don't have to do any of that. <laughs> now I say, I have provenance. I love them. They will help you. And I get like four hours per wedding of my life back. <laughs> Cause like <laughs> I did the math. That's really what it takes. By the time I have the meeting with the officiant and the meeting with the toasters and then look at the toast and give them notes and da, 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 four, hour, four hours per wedding. That's a lot of hours. Time, that's a lot of hours. That's a lot of hours that can be reallocated toward anything else, be it fixing another price, crisis that might emerge or back into your own life, knowing that this is a self-serve solution that will solve this problem for you. 100%. And if you're listening and you're like, oh my God, I never get involved in that, then that's why you need to come to the masterclass because I'm going to tell you how to get involved, but then how to basically outsource it. <laughs> Exactly. And that's what the smartest folks are doing. You guys can <laughs> sign up for the masterclass at reneedallow.com forward slash pros, P-R-O-S-E, P-R-O-S-E. And then we will see you Tuesday, February 20th at 9 a.m. Pacific. It's going to be really fun. I'm excited. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Renee. Oh, you're so welcome. Stephen, where can, um, where can they find Providence on the internet? Just what you're on Instagram or you're on TikTok. What tell us where we can we, interact. We are on Instagram and TikTok at, yeah. at our provenance. 
Um, but we also, you can sign up directly at Provenance.co. That's P-R-O-V-E-N-A-N-C-E dot C-O, Provenance.co. And it's free to sign up and you can play around with it totally yourself. Love it. We're going to put all those links in the show note, including the link to the masterclass. And I hope to see you all there on Tuesday. And Stephen, thanks again for being here. This was a really fun conversation. And mostly I'm just like so ready for people to dive into Providence and see how it can help them. So thanks. As am I. And frankly, we're here to help as well. So we'll make sure that we're going to contact myself and my team and make sure that everyone in Renee's community gets that white glove extra service from us. Yay. Thanks for listening to this week's Talk with Renee Dallow. We would love for you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow the show on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And remember, this isn't a one-way conversation. I want to hear from you, our amazing listeners. So reach out to me on Instagram at Renee Dallow or on TikTok at the Renee Dallow. Tell me your thoughts on this episode and suggest topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. You are a crucial part of this community and your voice matters. And as always, I know that your time is the one thing you cannot make any more of. And I'm always so grateful that you spend it with me. Until next time, friends, be good to yourself.